0: welcome back to any requests absolutely how are we doing guys they can't hear you but oh, um but i'm all right yeah i'm doing good. quite well yeah yeah i'm good i'm good um it's been a it's been a nice fun week to be honest i'm just really really enjoyed a lovely relaxing evening watching a cracking film it's fantastic it's it
1: yeah so today we are uh looking uh of course at the 1985 film the breakfast club uh as requested uh by my sister. Um we uh Hi Lara. And now uh at the about two or three days before the end of May, are finally getting round to uh May's requests. <laughs> yeah. We've we we are we uh on to the second month of uh any requests now which uh we started some months ago so yeah uh but but all all thanks to you guys for um uh inundating us and um, keeping it going yeah, yeah it's
0: been a real joy
1: um so again yeah th- th- those of you that are still waiting uh, apologies we do have a bit of a backlog but uh we'll as you can hear we we do we do get to uh, all of them um and yeah i mean uh, this is just uh after as you guys listening will know we spend most of our time uh, watching things uh from the past that haven't necessarily dated as well um but yeah i mean i mean this is probably now i would say oof, sixth or seventh time i've seen this film um it's it probably in my top 20 films I was going to say time. it's got to be in your favorites it's, oh yeah 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 it is i i i adore this film
0: um but it's been a while it's been a few years um i well, i was going to say i have seen it, I, I seen it t- this is the second time i've seen it right and I think the first, because I never saw it as a kid. The first time I saw it, I think was you showing it to me. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. And that might have been oh, I don't know, maybe drama school. Yeah. Um. Uh, because I, you know, oh, I can't believe you haven't seen it. Oh, I've heard of it. Yeah, I know. But actually, you, y- you do. You know, it was amazing. I, lo- I loved watching it the first time round. I think I got um different things from it the second time round. Yeah. Um. And, but I, I understand why you've seen it so many times because yeah. it feels like the type of movie. Every time you see it, it gets better. Uh, yeah, and
1: and you notice more things and and more more little details and nuance of performances and things like that. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Breakfast Club, as we say, came out in 1985. Um. It's one of the seminal uh brat pack films. So the brat pack uh were this kind of core group of of young late teens,
0: early twenties actors in the mid eighties. Um starting with, with Rob Rob Lowe and yeah. Estevez being the two kind of ringleaders, is that right? Yeah,
1: um yeah, so they the the core group was basically the cast of this film, uh The Breakfast Club that we're about to talk about and we'll talk about them in more detail. Uh plus yeah Rob Lowe, Robert Downey Jr. Andrew McCarthy and Demi Moore. Mm. Um and those were the kind of core group and they acted in uh loads of films together. They were sort of almost like rep, you know, in theatre, like this kind of ensemble of <laughs> Of, of actors that did a lot of these films um and this is really i think one of the the high watermarks of of those films in the 80s i mean i think uh pretty and pink's great as well um and uh, i love st elmo's fire that's actually same year as this came out slightly later and also but,
0: with emilio Estevez.
1: uh no but it was with judd nelson and uh ali sheedy i think was in it as well uh, okay i well, thought I, he was in that I... um i don't re- recall him being in it i know rob lowe was in it right. um to me more uh but um yeah and so it was the um really I mean you 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 can argue this point for me I think it was probably the the first or at least um, the most kind of seminal at this point teen movie I think it mm. kicked off uh, the quote unquote teen movie genre uh, you could make arguments
0: probably actually for Greece which was seventy eight um, yeah I mean I I think. it's a difficult uh, 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 genre to talk about because it isn't really a genre
2: Um,
0: and you and I were watching a a little documentary um, interviewing some of the cast um, and I can't quite remember uh, which actor said it but Mm. they were kind of discussing this and saying well it's not really fair to kind of say it's a teen movie it's just a film that happens to have teenage subject
1: yeah it, it was the it was uh diablo cody the director of juno who uh, was talking right. was uh, very influenced uh uh by this film um and saying yeah you know she was saying that you don't uh uh refer to all other movies as adult movies yep. those are something very different um and uh <laughs> um you know it just and i think it was uh judd nelson who plays bender in the film you know he said the only difference between a 15 year old and an adult is age it's like that's yeah. it you know it doesn't mean you're any less experienced necessarily it doesn't mean you're you're any less sensitive you're any less you know intelligent you know uh, um both of us you know do a lot of work with with young people in mm-hmm. the arts and we've both said time and again you know you can have vastly more intelligent conversations with an 11 year old than you can <laughs> yeah. with some
0: 30 40 year olds so it's yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. But, and I also think, though, what is interesting is that, not, but that because of the school system that you know, mm. m- you know, most of the world has, you have this, uh, and certainly the w- westernised kind of school system in America and Britain, you see this, it's such an unnatural environment to place human beings. And as storytellers, yeah. we're always looking for where can we put characters. You might have yeah. a great character, yeah. but where, where do you want to put them? What's the most interesting place to put them? And I think that this is one of the first films, to my knowledge, that really explored the, the almost unnatural nature of school.
1: Yeah, so this is, I think, yeah, this is, this is the point I was coming to, is that you've got, pre this film, you've got Grease, you've got, um, which is obviously a musical first, uh, uh, on stage. Um, you've got, in 1982, you've got Barry Levinson's Diner, which is a fabulous film, but both of those films... Are looking at, at an uh, 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 American graffiti, um, George Lucas, uh, um, in in the in the seventies as well. So, but all three of those films are about teens in the fifties. Right. So, really talking about a film that is led primarily by a teenage uh, uh, characters, uh, although most of the actors were in their early 20s except for Molly Ringwald who was 16 when she made this film She's you think the depth amazing. of her performance in this is it's quite incredible I come from a 16 year old um, uh, obviously you've got uh, Paul Gleason and I can never remember his name John John Kapanos I think who plays uh, Carl the, yeah. uh, the janitor but you know they're relatively minor parts it's, it's, it's driven by by five teenagers and it's set in 1985 you know yeah. it's contemporary and I think yeah The Breakfast Club and, and maybe um, uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High which was a couple of years later but those uh, uh, Amy Heckling's film those are those are uh, uh, touchstones I think and the, and and Breakfast Club especially you look at the influence when you get to the 90s and you get to things like she's all that 10 things i hate about you american pie you know i mean Mm -hmm. in the 90s and early noughties the teen movie genre kind of blew up and 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 i think no none of those films would exist um without the breakfast club (laughs) in fact i was telling you wasn't i earlier about um uh not another teen movie which is the sort of spoof um airplane-esque uh kind of send-up parody of the teen movie genre that came out about 2005 i think and uh um paul gleason who plays principal vernon in the breakfast club Plays Principal Vernon in not a teen movie, and they do, but <laughs> you know, and it, it is, it's, it's an homage and it's a nod to, although the rest of the films they were parodying were all from the late 90s, early noughties, you had the Breakfast Club in there because it really did kickstart the
0: genre. um So it's a, a, a seminal in that sense. Yeah. But also, I think as a storyline, it, it wouldn't have, it maybe it would have had a, a, as big a legacy. Um, because of its you know like you say genre setting and trend setting and and bringing this world to the to the screen but i think it really is also a huge credit to john hughes uh Mm. and and his in his screenplay yeah i mean the the writing is phenomenally good yeah
1: so yeah uh the writer director is john hughes john hughes is really seen as the father of that brat pack era um um doing films like pretty in pink 16 candles um but also films like Home Alone, Planes, Trays and Automobiles. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, the guy's back catalogue is is fantastic. Um, and interestingly, he started as a writer for National Lampoon.
0: Uh well, that yeah, you can see that sense of So from, uh, so yeah, the, I mean, those
1: the, the, those of you who may have only heard of National Lampoon through the films like the um, Christmas Vacation and Vacation and and Caddyshack and things like that, it we started out as a magazine. It was actually um originally the Harvard Lampoon. Um, uh it was uh coming out of harvard university satirical and, newspaper yes satirical kind of university newspaper um uh that then yeah um the sort of last editor of it at harvard lampoon um essentially took it national and created a a a, a national magazine and john Hughes was a writer for that and um an interesting I was reading earlier on uh an interview uh, um, uh an, an article about Hughes and um the person writing it was saying uh the the thing about john hughes's work is he comes across as such an auteur because he comes from a world where he wrote for a magazine that didn't have any editors didn't have Mm. you know any collaboration he just wrote it and it would be printed because he worked for you know they 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 didn't censor anything they didn't edit anything and 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 he talks a lot about and um on i don't know if it's still on netflix but over christmas uh The series that do the Toys That Make Us did a series of specials called The Films That Make Us. And they Mm. talk about Home Alone a lot. And and I was amazed, uh, learning about the the difficulties and the fact that Home Alone changed studios mid-shoot and all this stuff, and they kept working and kept it quiet. All all this stuff going on. Um and uh John Hughes was really upset about that period, um, shooting Home Alone and a couple of the later films he did in the early nineties, um, like the Beethoven front shows, which actually he took his name off i think right, um okay. uh and he hated working within the studio system because of that he, he didn't like any other input anyone else kind of coming in and, well, and did that autonomous control. yeah and i think you can see that in this film it is it is clearly um a singular vision purely i think in its simplicity um
0: it's century. i mean they said it on on the documentary watched um it's a play isn't yeah. it? um yeah there are several points right where, where i look at it and i think as we go through it um, um to highlight moments that really remind you of that but over overall it is um it's a real play and, and you yeah. and i both come from a, you know a theater background and and that's where we spend most of our time um and and it, it is that perfect kind of that perfect setting yeah um but when i think of all the great kind of episodes of television mm. or great movies you know they're all in that, you know, pretty much one location. Yeah. Almost kind of, you know, they're stuck in that place. I remember even that great, like, hour-long special like, family guy where it's yeah. just Stewie and Brian. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's, like it's like Shakespeare. It's amazing. Yeah. You go, oh, I just want to watch this all the time. Yeah. This is a, a, a really good example of that. And, it's, yeah. and it is um, um, done quite a lot in schools, isn't it? Now?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, there is a specific time, I believe they're called uh, Bottle Episodes. Um, bottle episodes, there you are, yeah, yeah. um, uh episodes are so, like set one location, often a uh, real time. I mean, obviously, this isn't It's, it's an hour and a half takes place over a day, but you know, n- near enough when you yeah. think many hour and a half films take place over months or, or years sometimes. So um it, it, so it is yes, i think I think for me, there are two reasons why it feels theatrical. um, one is, as we're saying, purely logistically, environmentally, you're in one place. Um, uh, you, a lot of time doesn't pass. It, it, it's near real time. Um, but also, I think, something I always say... Uh, I think I said this to you the other day about something else. I always look at the difference of theatre and screen. And I always say, theatre theater is character-driven. Film and TV is yep. plot-driven. And this is a film that is... percent character Character driven there's not really any plot there the plot well actually the plot is how these characters develop from the morning to the afternoon of this day in detention i mean that's it um which is why it's probably gonna be a bit of a looser episode for us because it's it's not really it you know those of you that listen to our jonathan creek podcast and other sort of film and tv episodes that we've done we often kind of go through and and outline the plot for you but it's it's difficult to do with this one because it's it's a series of of conversations.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll you know try and pick out scenes, uh, and I made some notes mm. about things that that I you know particularly jump out at me. But we will be going off on tangents because the characters' journeys, you know, yeah, um, almost happen alongside each other, and then yeah. they intertwine in places. But it's not a, it's not a plot driven thing. At all. No.
1: Um, so yeah, so you have you have uh, uh, five uh characters and they they all represent the the uh, archetype of yeah. the high school team so you've got Judd Nelson who plays John Bender who they refer to as the criminal but yeah. he's you know the waster the guy that's kind of hangs out smoking dope at lunchtime like mm-hmm. around where the where all the motorbikes are and yeah uh, again very much think he's ledger and 10 things i hate about you the outsider yeah. he's not he's not popular but he deliberately doesn't make himself popular so it's not the same as um you know the the kind of uh nerds or 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 geeks or or that kind of standalone yeah Yeah. um uh uh, interestingly um uh matt graining uh i think is a real fan of the breakfast club because he takes Eat My Shorts from this film, yeah. which is a John Bender line, and he actually named Bender from Futurama after I, this character. I was going to ask about yes. that. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. Because of
0: the only other character. Like, yeah. why would you call... But yeah, you can see I similarities and that mean... kind of petulance. And we'll probably
1: bring up a few things in this film, but, but uh, cu- the cultural importance of this film, I think, can't be understated. Yeah. And um, I think it's probably more prevalent in the States than it is here, because it is uniquely the american high school experience mm. um although i know judd nelson in if interview talked about how amazed he was that it did resonate so much internationally and he said he, well, he it, realized it... how much these characters exist at any school all over the world although there are you know we don't have varsity and things like that but that
0: yeah he was saying about letters from scandinavia from eastern europe and and is that quite here he says uh, i could yeah couldn't believe the reaction uh lots of people saying they don't um finally people are making movies about my life and what i think yeah and and that's that is huge yeah that is really yeah i mean but also what more do you want as yeah a, as a as a writer as a as a maker of and um stories and and
1: and i think one of the one of the really clever things uh and brilliant things about this film is i i think i have the same thought process every time where at the beginning of the film I go, oh yeah, it's Bender's film. He anchors it, and then by the end, I've changed my mind. I, at some point yeah. in the film, I convinced myself that every single one of those five is yeah. the anchor of the film, yeah. and it, it's really clever. But certainly, I think at the beginning, because he does have the lines, share of the lines at the start. You, I think you meet you, you, you know Bender first. I think you know the most yeah. about Bender first off. You've got your, as as an audience member, um, as a as a viewer rather. You you get the mark of the man I think more of, uh,
0: earlier than a lot of the other characters I, I think you're right it is the mark of the man but also he drives the energy so he yeah. lets the audience know about the other characters he, right and he jibes and so yeah. he, he drives that energy which is fascinating as well to um, hear Judd Nelson uh, on the documentary also saying that he nearly missed the audition Yeah. Um, because he was being <laughs> in his words rambunctious in the waiting area yeah. and the security guard kicked him out so the lift doors were opening yeah. apparently just as he was about to leave, someone said, Uh Chad Nelson called his name and he went in yeah. and was dressed entirely in that costume Yeah, that's it.
1: Yeah, he turned up in in the character of Ben well he he did three years at Stella Radler um, method. Very method. This was only his third film he'd ever done. Okay, so yeah. this is very early on in the in the crew. Obviously, yeah, as I say he did St Elmo's Fire later on that year and had a slew of films in the eighties um and and then yeah sort of he's he's always fascinated me because every time i watch a breakfast club and and other films he's been in there's, there's a great um sort of neo exploitation film that's done in the early 90s by mario van peebles called uh new jack city it's a great kind of uh uh film about kind of uh gangs and 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 uh, drug deal police um uh, in LA, and uh, he plays um, this sort of uh, pseudo racist cop, and uh, he's brilliant in that. But yeah, it's sort of you get to the mid nineties, and he's he's doing you know guest spots on mm. Law and Order and things, and I'm just like, you watch Breakfast Club, and this guy's a, a a force of nature as an actor. I mean, some of you know he's I think he's he's got he's got that that kind of Brando esque thing where he can convey so much in his eyes. Yeah. But it's so powerful Um, and it's it's yeah it's, it's just <laughs> interesting that he, he he didn't have the career I think if you saw that in 1985 you'd be like you know this Who's is the guy, guy this yeah. is the guy to watch and I mean none of them really had I mean uh, Molly Ringwald's career is a whole other separate podcast because there's fascinating things that went on there with, with, with her and stuff but
0: you know I mean I guess Emilio Estevez is the most successful out of the out of the five of them, but again, um, very small, you know, CV or resume. When you think about it, I was looking up, um, yeah, because again, it's one of those people I said to you earlier. It's like, what does he? What has he done? <laughs> yeah. And I said, he did Mission Impossible, right? Yeah, and you said, oh yeah, you remember him from that? That's an yeah. uncredited role. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing he's done, role wise. A couple of small parts, um, guest spot on uh, on Two and a Half Men.
1: Um, yeah, 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 as
0: Charlie Sheen's friend. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then but, and then and then directing. Yeah, mainly.
1: very. I mean, I mean, um, uh, Bobby about Bobby Kennedy was, uh, yeah. the West, first was a first directors director. Brilliantly directed film.
0: Um, but yeah, and I mean, you know, Anthony Michael Hall. He, he I mean, he's phenomenal. They're all. Good, yeah, but I mean, but it,
1: I, I've got a lot to say about him. I've time. I've always wondered with Anthony Michael Hall whether he, <laughs> so uh, he bulked up a lot. Right. Uh, when he got a bit older as as you saw in that documentary, you know, he's almost unrecognizable from not not just because he's older, but just because he's so much larger as well. Um uh because I think he was getting sick of playing the sort of geeky roles right, and yeah. best friend roles and things like that. Um and and, and I and I wonder if that was Actually de- actually detriment to his career, because especially in Hollywood, in film and TV, you Very know typecast. typecast and and, 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 and I often think... it's hard to to break out of that especially if you physically change yourself so much you're not even no one's going oh it's the kid from the breakfast club people are going oh sorry mm. i recognize him oh my god you you play brian in the breakfast like so doesn't necessarily uh hold you in high regard i mean i i, I know him the most in terms of his kind of later work as an as, as a more mature actor from um the tv series version of the dead zone the stephen king oh movie. right i, don't, I know I mean, he did I mean, that he was the lead in that. I think it only went for a couple of seasons. but
0: um... I know that that, that typecasting thing it is talking about Judd Nelson and mm. why he didn't kind of do more. Um, he said that he feels people immediately, and it's interesting because like, this is another tangent point, really. He was saying that everyone hates him in The Breakfast Club because he's the dick, right? <laughs> yeah, And a, a lot of his other cast members were saying, what a lovely, that's not him at all. He's yeah, a yeah, very yeah, lovely, yeah, yeah. funny, warm guy. And they kept kind of labouring this point, And then they cut back to him and he said in the interview, well, I, I feel that people expect to meet Bender. Yeah. And when they don't, they're kind of let yeah. down by it. And he said he reckons that's one of the reasons why he hasn't had a career that he wanted. That's interesting. Um, yeah. So it's so, kind of may, maybe a similar, your theory yeah. about Anthony Michael yeah. might be a similar thing. Yeah.
1: So yes, and speaking of Anthony Michael Hall, he plays Brian, Brian Johnson, who is uh, the brain as they say yeah. um or the geek the, the nerd, geek nerd. That, that that kind of high school uh archetype um uh who again yeah uh, as as they all do goes goes on a real journey and and um you have uh um ali sheedy who plays allison who
0: the The basket case, I think, the basket she's case, referred yeah. to in the film, um, the odd yeah. one, eccentric. Yeah, I um... mean,
1: interesting. They were saying this was almost almost pre goth. Yeah. Um. Uh. Which actually, to be fair, not that much when you think about the Cure and things, you know. But maybe yeah. again, maybe goth culture was more prevalent in Britain than it were uh, earlier than it was in the states. Because when when they, they 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 on this documentary we watched, they had the uh, the costume designer of the film. Uh, input quite a lot and yeah she she was saying you know it was it was never a goth yeah because that was that term wasn't really around then it was and i thought well 85 i mean I, i think certainly in britain that sort of fashion sense
0: and that music and and but I, I mean, I think um, coming through. But uh, Shidi um, brought that idea. Mm. She, I think she said, I, "I know how this girl looks," and I and brought the kind of the makeup and said, "I want the big dark eyeliner." And but actually, I think goth would be a mixture of Bender's outfit yeah. and uh, uh, Alice. Um, True. Yeah. Alice's outfit together. Yeah. So it's but yeah, you're right. It's that emerging thing. But again, it doesn't really matter because because everyone well certainly myself and i'm sure you as well yeah you know at school you know when you it's okay uniforms or whatever in britain we all mostly have uniforms secondary school but yeah you know even outside or in sixth form or college or wherever people are trying out their looks and then yeah. so no one's ever a fully formed anything yeah um and i think that's another lovely quote that i love is that even though we've got these kind of Obvious stereotypes of the nerd, uh, yeah. the kind of the goth, the the criminal, the brain, the jock. You none of them feel like caricatures, even though they are stereotypical. Yeah, and and that's a really nice. I think it was the actor you played Carl who played Carly said that, and I thought that's exactly it. Yeah, none of them feel like caricatures. No, but they very quick easily could.
1: Yeah, well, I I think he 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 pulls Hughes pulls the rug from under you in the best yeah. way because he sets them all up in the first half an hour to fulfill your expectations of being those stereotypes and then as you get to know them more throughout the film they totally are you know and that's that's uh, as we will probably talk about in more detail you know the very end of the film it, is that's the point and that's what they say in the letter they write to the principal at the end is we've learned that we are all individually those five things at different points in it and i you know yeah and and it's something i get really annoyed at with actor coaching or just bad directors um or uh actors that that think that that talk about playing a character and going oh what's the actor's emotion or like what's what's the character in this scene i'm like no there's no like (sighs) In real life, you know, if acting is meant to be an imitation of real life, in real life, are you just one emotion, at <laughs> one uh, one by one, yeah. at one time? Like, you're, you're not. Are you one characteristic at one time? I, I no, you're not. You're, uh, you're a human that... and you're a jumble of all of those things. And I think that's what this film is about. And I think that's what the that film's saying.
0: Yeah, it, we all know the the famous line, you know, my my, my character wouldn't do that. Yeah, and then you you kind of you have to revert back to the script and say, well, the playwright, you know, Arthur Miller says you would, so yeah, you probably should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, it's the idea of your character is a, is just forget that, forget character, be yeah. who you are, and react to the situation you're yeah. in based on what you know about your character, yeah. based on what you know from the text. Yeah. If you don't know anything, just just react, just to be beat Well, it? it's I mean that's that's a that's a paraphrase, obviously, of of a, of a David
1: Mamet. Quote. Uh, and the true or false kind and, of thesis, yeah. As it were. Um, and and I think, as I mentioned, when we were uh, previewing this a couple of weeks ago, saying we we're going to do it, and I said there's there's a, a quote I've heard about this saying it's 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 uh, as if David Mamet wrote a teen movie. Yeah. And, and and I think there is that in Hughes's script, and I think he has, you know, he he hasn't tried to go. This character would say these type, you know there are actually probably scenarios where you could jumble around the characters saying certain lines and it would all still make sense because they're all the same age. They're all going through the same things. They all have very similar relationships with their parents. Um, and, you know, this, this isn't a bad thing. This isn't saying he's, he's written five of the same character. They're all wonderfully individual as well. But the whole point of the film is they've got more in common than they've got different. And uh, I, I, Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, and so, sorry, yeah, you also have uh, the jock can be the rest playing Andrew. Who's a varsity wrestler. Um, uh, a varsity letterman, uh, <laughs> yeah. as, uh, as principal Vernon calls him, um, uh, very much. And I liked again on, on the documentary, I think again, it was the guy that played Carl r- referring to him as, as being, uh, under, he said, "You know, his performance is actually understated. And he's yeah. one of the ones that Emilia Estevez's performance you don't notice until maybe second or third time watching the film because it's a smaller perform. It's a smaller performance uh, on the screen than uh, maybe any of the others. But it, it, it's because he he probably is qu- like quote unquote the sort of most together." Yeah. of all and, and, and he's the one that is almost plays kind of peacemaker like you feel like he is that kind of the popular guy at school that would still be nice to the less popular yeah. ones um, which is actually something that know that guy shined a microscope on later on in the film and that perhaps it's what he says when the nice ones go away. That's
0: well, the, yeah, I, I but, think, but certainly be, on the surface, because it's a drama and because it's a film, we, we do have a monologue later from from the Letterman, and he do, and, yeah. and we find out more, but but. um you know, were it were it a documentary, and were it just you know following these guys around, I go, yeah, I know that person, yeah. and also it doesn't matter when you whether you're together or not, because if you're a teenager, you don't know you're together, yeah, and therefore you're not, yeah, even if everything's right in your life, because yeah. you don't know that, mm. and and everything feels weird, yeah, yeah, and yeah. everything's changing and scary, and and hugely emotional, yeah it doesn't ma- you could you could literally have the nicest life in the world and it doesn't matter which yeah. is what you're saying about them all going through the same things yeah. but, and of course the, they're all going through very unique different lived experiences in, yeah, yeah, in yeah, their yeah, own yeah, lives yeah. but it kind of it all has the same value
1: absolutely um and then and then yeah uh, to 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 run them off you have Mo- Molly ringwald playing claire who is the princess uh, uh as she's referred to in the film or you know the prom queen the popular girl the popular girl the uh, specifically the popular overachiever, yeah, because she's not the sort of necessarily the popular mean girl it's it's that it's it's uh the popular girl that was in charge of all the clubs at school, and that yeah. kind of thing, which is I think quite a specific trope but again absolutely someone
0: you recognize from your own school Ooh, is it interesting their costume designers said as well you know we were going to start with um with kind of the preppy the beret the kind <clears> of <throat> showy popular girl the thing that you might kind of associate with um later films like clueless you know, yeah another yeah. great teen movie yeah um but actually they changed their mind and said no 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 it's not it's it's ralph Lauren, and yes. it's it's money and it's togetherness yeah. but it's not it's not it's not driven with an ego it's yeah. kind of imposed upon her yeah so um which is makes for a much more interesting character
1: yeah um and 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 ring ringwald herself um you know a lot of people refer to her as john hughes's muse um because she she did pretty in pink 16 candles um uh and i think um he yeah really and, and actually funny enough um uh, something I w- was reading about him was saying that early on his muse was Molly Ringwald it then became John Candy in the <laughs> 19th <laughs> yeah. Uncle Buck and Plains Trains and, and uh, the cameo in, in Home Alone as well and things like that um, uh, so yeah he, he was always someone that, that loved working with the same people over and over again um, same small group really resonated with, with Ringwald um, and the interesting thing was up to this point the character she'd actually been playing the slight the the more unpopular girls at at school we look at 16 candles pretty in pink in this uh she's playing the sort of characters that she was actually the antagonist or or aspiring yeah previous stuff um which was a very deliberate choice apparently for hughes wanted to put her in that other setting
0: um which is an amazing thing to do to, like you say, a sixteen-year-old. 16, right? Yeah, yeah. Another quote from one of the actors on set saying, you know, none of us could believe Molly was sixteen. Mm. She really came into her own as a person when she was in her thirties because she'd always been in her thirties, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, That's a lovely thing to say about <laughs> yeah. a young actor. Yeah. because you're right. She does convey such weight and history yeah. and uh, in a way that is is you know okay, easy to capture on a camera, but yeah. not easy to this is a real acting job yeah. like none of these guys is it's not a point and shoot and, and capture some kids larking about yeah. like there are elements of that but again massive rehearsals on set yeah. and that close knit um, working with the same actors yeah. John Hughes is obviously a director who loves actors yeah and, and building that ensemble I think yeah in, in that early whilst the set was still being built and yeah. getting used to um, that space en- ensemble is a word
1: that came up again and again when I was doing the research for this uh podcasts are reading more into into John Hughes um yeah he he was not a fan really of of um the sort of hollywood actor where's my trailer that that kind of thing he was not interested in that he he was not interested in in star vehicles he wanted to make films with you know heart, heart equal yeah heart and and with characters that have all got equal weight and equal importance on all of them there isn't a standout and I think you see that in, in yeah a lot of the ensemble films he's done. I, I mean in this film you you could argue that for a large part of it uh principal vernon played by Paul Gleason, um, and Carl the janitor are are foils for mm-hmm. the five teenagers, right? They they exist to counterbalance. So you wouldn't actually expect there to be a really nice extended scene between those two characters yeah. when you feel like structurally they only exist f- to bounce for for the five lead actors to bounce off but he's gone they are also people within their own right and characters within their own right and let's show them having a conversation uh, completely separate to the storyline of the five main characters which i loved because he didn't need to put that in there and i was
0: really glad that that's and it's a lovely scene And i'm really glad that that's in there um, I, I think it's one of these one of these situations where when you've got a really good idea yeah you you it, it can work without it yeah but also if you've got a really good idea can you make it so much richer for having that in there yeah I think And this all you know that a way to describe this whole movie is everything that's in it adds something to it and yeah. and that's a very rare thing and I don't know whether that's just genius or, yeah. or it's luck or it's chance but that could have been so dangerous to put yeah, that yeah, scene yeah. in there if it you know but it was perfect. It's absolutely yeah, perfect. Absolutely.
1: Um. So yeah. So we 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 open uh with the uh golden voice of yeah. Jim Kerr, uh Simple Minds. Um, what are your favorite bands? Oh, I love Simple Minds. Um. Yeah. And and I mean, God, this song in particular. I mean, uh, no one can listen to this song and not just yeah go immediately
0: think of this song think, and yeah. and feel, and feel energized. Yeah. Yeah, um, but yeah. I think the soundtrack is is phenomenal. Yeah, um, and I can't, and every time I think of the, I mean, I have only seen it once before, but you hear it yeah. talk about popular culture. I think I know the soundtrack really well. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't. No, <laughs> and a lot of these songs, I get by who? Yeah, yeah. Who's yeah. that? Yeah. Who's when, What's that band? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll talk about them as we come come through. Yeah. But um, it but it's and I love that John Hughes again going. Let's not necessarily go for the most famous song ever. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's go for the song that is right for the movie. I mean, I mean, have I, I've seen Jim Cuthbert, the singer of Simple Minds, talk about
1: Hughes, and and he credits Simple Minds' success to The Breakfast Club. You know, wow. he said they yeah. they wouldn't have been anywhere near the band they were without this film. Um,
0: I th- that was an interesting thing you were saying about the ensemble and how everyone was. Um, uh, he wasn't interested in kind of big salaries or budgets yeah, or trailers. Yeah, yeah. I think um, you might know this, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's uh, a fact that it's got a record for the highest returning, I think it's ROI, I can't remember it is, but um, oh, return yeah. investment opportunity, RIO, yeah. uh, return investment opportunity. So those actors made m- more from that film <laughs> uh, than they have done in many other films because yeah. of the nature of the contract, because That's no one really expected it to be yeah. such a, a long term hit over yeah. time yeah Um, well i um um, again
1: uh in in that documentary you know ali sheedy saying you know got to 10 years later and i was like won't this film die like what's (laughs) going on why people she said of course now she absolutely loves it but at that point where 10 years on trying to distance trying to get you know um so it's almost like this curse Mm. of, of how successful this film was and 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 you hear that time and time again in, in film and TV, trying to know, shape people, roles or characters, people trying to be separated from the characters they play, and 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 things like that, and uh, and how difficult that is. Um, but then, yeah, coming coming through it, and and now saying, you know, I'm in a place where I'm really happy with my career. I'm in a place where I've got to do great stuff that's now separate from that, and can look back and realize everything I've got is basically from
0: this film you know really um um it, 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 you're talking about this iconic kind of opening yeah. with um don't you uh, and it kind of builds in and you see all the kids arrive yeah. and you see them at sherman school yeah and and Shermer. Uh, sherman school yeah. sorry um and and you but you were talking about how kind of well drawn these characters yeah. are and i was saying like you know they're ca- not caricatures but they are stereotypes and they're all these kind of things that we all know from the school yeah I think you know all of that before any of them actually get into the school. Yeah. It's all from the way they enter a- the school, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the, the way that Molly Ringwell's dropped off, and there's yeah. a little exchange between her and her father. And yeah. she says, oh, I don't know if I should be here. And her yeah. dad says, I'll make you- up for it. <laughs> yeah, she, she,
1: she says, I can't believe you couldn't get me out of this. Yeah. So you already know from that. The dad's obviously rich in in with the school board yeah she you know um yeah he doesn't seem that bothered that she has to be you know he says well you know it's you you went you went on a shopping spree and ditched your class nothing wrong with doing that it's fine just do do it and i'll buy you something to make up for yeah for you misbehaving you know so obviously yeah you get you get what's going on there but you also get that it's clearly quite a materialistic father-daughter relationship that he's he's just offering to buy her something rather than they're actually talking about what's going on and why she's there. Um, no depth, yeah. You have, you know, Emilio Estevez, uh, Andrew, uh, with his uh, father, who's obviously yet yeah, the classic kind of um, competitive, competitive.
0: That we'd call a football yeah. dad, you know. That, yeah. That, that, um, Come on, son. Uh, yeah. but in an American way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. He's, he's actually wrestling, isn't he? Um, yeah. Uh, um, Emilio Estevez's character is a champ, like you know, promising wrestler, and he's, yeah. you know, all, you can just tell in a couple of lines that there's pressure there. Yeah. And yeah. and you, you don't screw around. Yeah. Well, you can screw around all you want, but don't get caught. Yeah. Because you need that full ride, I that love, scholarship.
1: I love. I love the line um, where he uh, likens himself to being um, a racehorse. Oh. And yeah. it's that it's that idea, and and Judd Nelson talked about this in the documentary that he said, you know, some people might not get that, but he said any athlete will watch yeah. that and completely understand because he said because the nature of athletics you come into that career from when you're like a, not much more than a toddler you yeah. know uh, they emerge um, very competitive young athletic, yeah emerge very young and so and and and, and that's what I love about uh, the character of Andrew uh, and how Fez plays him is it's this idea that he's not got any choice mm. he's not got any say over the career he's going to have because he's been doing it so long he doesn't even remember wanting to do it it's just this
0: thing that's been thrust upon him I had a friend at school who did that um, who again was fairly quiet and then became more popular mm. when he when everyone cared about bodies because yeah. he was a, a champion swimmer right and we were like oh mate getting up at 5 a.m to go and it got to a point where i actually said to him i was like god you must be knackered doing that and he says, he's in your a and all the rest of it and he went i just I, I can't i've always done it and and actually funnily enough later on yeah uh kind of university when he didn't have that kind of uh, pressure uh, um didn't do it at all and now he right. has gone into photography and creative yeah. arts and all the things that he didn't do at school but but there's an interesting kind of um just reminded me of that exactly what you have just said yeah. I've, I've never really felt like i had a choice because i've always just done it yeah yeah, yeah. and now to not do it equals disappointment of my family yeah. so what do i do yeah um yeah, yeah. so a wonderful weight there uh, uh, uh you've got um uh bender arriving absolutely on his own yeah nothing at all yeah And that tells you more than the other two scenes of dialogue. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And and as he walks, again, everyone's being dropped off by their parents. And as he walks, he nearly gets run over (laughs) by the car that Ali Sheedy's character comes out of. So you go, well, you know, that
0: that's that's obviously someone that comes from a bit of a kooky kind of. And then she gets out of the car and it barely stops. It just carries on speeding. No goodbye, no nothing. Yeah. So you've got disconnect. Yeah. And
1: And you've got Anthony and Michael Hall with... uh, the crammed in, um yeah. with him and his younger sister both seemingly on the front seat and it's just everything feels very cramped and, and again pressured. And the like mum's saying, you know, oh you better go in there and study hard. And he says, No, we're not allowed to study. That's what That's detention, detention isn't meant to be extra study time. We're not yeah. we're not allowed to do anything. Well you better find a way to you know, so already you're seeing that academic pressure on him and you know exactly who he is. Um and yeah, as you say, this is all before even the film was properly kicked off. It's the yeah, bit, and the, and um, then you have
0: this amazing uh card on the screen. Yeah, um, which uh, I'm just gonna read for you because yeah. it, it's brilliant, and and you can't talk about the film without it. Um, the card is a quote, and it just says, "And these children that you spit on as they try and change their worlds are immune to your con uh, are immune to your consultations. They're quite aware of what they're going through, and uh, apparently it's a David Bowie quote." Yeah. Um. And I just thought you're starting the film with the end of the film. Yeah. Like, obviously yeah, I'd yeah, seen yeah, it before, yeah, yeah. but, um, in a way that really, it's kind of going to the theatre and, and, and Shakespeare doing a prologue at the beginning going, this is what you're about to see. Yeah. Now watch how good I do it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That's what this feels like. <laughs> yeah. Um, having said that, apparently it wasn't in the original screenplay. No,
1: no. Ali, Ali Sheedy plays Alison, um, uh, found the quote and gave it to john hughes and he liked it so much he yeah put it put it as a title card I love that i love that film. and and alice judy saying that even, yeah
0: you know relatively recently seemed really proud really <laughs> yeah of that yeah and i thought again there's that real ensemble of almost yeah. like rep actors as you said yeah um and that kind of how cool it was to bring yeah. in your own stuff um and yeah what a what a great uh quote and you can see already how if you were a kid in nineteen eighty five, a sixteen year old, you'd go, "Oh, I love that! Oh, I love David Bowie." Yeah, <laughs> what well, yeah, if I yeah, didn't yeah, I do yeah. now, yeah. Um, yeah. And I like this movie because this is that's a really smart way of putting two fingers up to my parents and the you know the yeah. government and the man. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I think also there was something interesting because as we go in, we we have the introduction of uh, mm-hmm. Gleason who yeah just 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 before
1: he uh gets in there yeah principal vernon um uh i want to talk about the use of silence because i thought it was really shrewd to cut the simple minds track uh, earlier than they possibly needed to because you'd assume again any other film you'd leave the underscore going on until the first line, but they cut mm. it off and just let about three minutes uh, of total silence and them just arriving and sitting down in their specific places. And it's just the sound of a chair squeaking along the floor. I mean, it, it's so well, I mean, it reminds me it's almost really of, 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 you know, you uh, sort of um uh, it, French and Italian mid 20th century kind of <laughs> art house films. Like this like real... Attention to detail on the silences and 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 yeah, the the, the sort of the sound effects of everyday life kind I of. I it kind of puts and... you in detention a bit, yes, the viewer. It's just ultra realism. I think it's 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 you know absolutely that's what would happen in real life. You normally wouldn't see that in a film because it's not exciting. Yeah. To just watch nothing for three minutes, but actually, because the actors are so good, because the feel and the style of the film already grabs you, you're quite happy to watch. Real life unfold for a few minutes, um, before, as you say, Paul Gleason, uh, as Vernon comes
0: in. Like uh, you, you know, you're you're so uh, uh, right to bring it up, and I think you almost it doesn't feel like silence because there are those looks exchanged and yeah. the that... The conversation is, can I sit here? Yeah, with yeah, my yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the his, And then they look back, and now the shitty's being a bit weird. Yeah. And they look to Brian, and Brian nearly takes his coat off at the same time and puts it back on. Yeah, There's yeah, a lot yeah. of, like, physical comedy and timing, and it feels like there's loads of dialogue, but you're right, there's not a word spoken. Yeah. For, for quite several minutes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, which probably makes it more powerful when when Gleason does come in. Yeah, and it's, um, it's a real punch. Yeah, and I I think I've got a backstory myself about Gleason. As, he's like a Vietnam vet, right? He's got this limp <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah, you yeah, know yeah. probably came from Vietnam or, yeah. or somewhere, um, and he is kind of hanging on to seventies collars and seats and yeah, slightly yeah, yeah. flared trousers, and he's got a way about him where you go, oh, you're trying to be like a cool teacher but you also don't have the respect of anyone which means you have to make up for it yeah and you i mean it sounds like i'm kind of describing the whole character i'm not i'm just saying that that's what he's like in the first 10 seconds yeah yeah, 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 yeah. you know so much about this um and it's really rich kind of character work and you just you hate him you hate him yeah but but i I hate him in the same way that i just because i go why can't you see but yeah. he hasn't seen the David Bowie quote I just seen uh, Yeah. <laughs> See, yeah, I
1: think it's, uh, a, lo- a lot. of people draw parallels uh, because they're both Hughes films between the character of of Richard Vernon and the character of Principal Ed Rooney in First Bueller's Day Off. Uh, yeah. Um, but I think for for me, I mean, I think Bueller's a great film. Um, but I think Rooney is is much more of a very deliberate. Antagonist. I think there are layers in Richard Vernon, and there are times where you never really sympathise with him because he is quite horrible. But no, I th- yeah, I know what you mean. There's a there's a there's there's something where you get you yeah, you can see you can see how he's got to that point, and like you say, you, you desperately want him to get them, um, um, and you don't know if he's going to. Apart from the uh, again. The scene later on with him and Carl, um, and and there's, there's this does. look. There's this look that he gives just before they cut back to the kids again. That yeah, it's ambiguous, but you're going maybe that goes through because he says, you know, this thought that keeps me awake at night are these are the kids that are going to be looking after me. And Carl just goes, I wouldn't be so sure about that. <laughs> and You know,
0: <laughs> don't count on it. Don't count, count on it. Yeah, and, and he and you almost twigs. He twi- like, yeah. Oh, they're the future. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, don't be dicks to them. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, also, it was something again. Uh, uh, um, Judd Nelson said about his, about playing Bender mm. was that everyone kind of immediately hated him because he seemed like the kind of bully. Yeah, but I think throughout the opening, I sympathised with Bender a lot. I'm I'm glad you said that. I was going to bring this up. I,
1: yeah, I, I think he's
0: the most sympathetic for the first third of the
1: movie. There's obviously there's stuff. And there's stuff that he does and says in this film that I, you know, don't agree with, and there's very questionable actions he 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 takes, and the way that he behaves in the first sort of half of the movie towards uh Claire or really Ringwald's character. There's bits of that uncomfortable, yeah. like the putting the head
0: in between the legs when he's hiding under the desk, and he does stuff. There's behaviour not cool. And, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I'm not saying that um, I, I, you know, that's excusable. But, it isn't. Yeah, but
1: yeah that that there is again because the characters are sympathetically played truthfully they're played it's tr- not necessarily sympathetically they're played truthfully and three-dimensionally and and that's how they're written and 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 as such i think yeah you 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 never fully well for me anyway fully dislike any of them because you can see where they are in their lives and you remember because we are all of those five people yeah in in especially in our teenagers, you know at, at any one time we've all inhabited those those kind of people
0: um but i also i wonder are we more sympathetic to bender because we've seen the film before so do we we know that's a an little interesting bit more one. no i i mean i'm <sighs> i'd be interested if anyone's watching would, for the first yeah. time let us know if you think that that's just well You've, well, you've seen it as well, so like, I don't, yeah. I don't know, but uh, yeah, if uh, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm trying to go back to, yeah, I, I must have been early teens when I first saw this, and, and I remember, I remember he was my favourite when I first saw it, but I think I was just because I was like, oh, he seems cool, and I liked his outfit, yeah. <laughs> I think that's which apparently
0: pr- uh, I recognise that as a really tropey, stereotypical outfit, yeah, but yeah. apparently, like, no, that was a real. Like, everyone wanted to dress like Kim afterwards. Yeah, it, it kind yeah. of was a fashion... Again, influenced quite a huge part of, like, yeah, shirt, yeah. Uh, shirt uh, t-shirt underneath the... Yeah, and the big overcoat. Button, yeah, yeah, the trench coat. Yeah, and, and, um, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I found him quite sympathetic. N- not, not big... Because I don't mean he's a particularly nice guy, and he, you know, says lots of mean things, but there's a real vulnerability that Nelson plays him with. Mm. That Again, those eyes, everything, behind everything he does you can tell when something's actually come out of malice and very few times is he malicious even yeah. though the words sound like they should be yeah. or the gesture should be he's rubbish at being a kind of bully yeah. all he's saying is i'm insecure and i'm used to getting hit yeah. like emotionally and physically so i'm going to get the first one in because i know that you know i know that i'm the loser here yeah and i i got that straight away yeah um and i just really enjoyed seeing that uh develop um i I think uh i think also that's kind of brilliant um in the in the moment where he's has the kind of big row with um gleason yeah um and then he waits for the door to slam, mm. and then shouts this big "fuck you." Yeah, and it's drowned out. Yeah, there's a kind of a filter brought over yeah. the sound, um, and it, I just love it. I, I yeah, just made exactly. a note of it because I was like, I just love that moment where your emotion yeah. is so intense when you're a yeah. teenager B- because because your brain's not developed yet, yeah. and and so everything's very kind of heightened and like chemically your your an article um released last year that was talking about how because your your brain isn't finished growing and and like the whole anxiety saber tooth tiger instinct mm. it like when you can actually feel that when something little happens so when you say a teenagers overreacting yeah well they're not it's a very healthy reaction to the chemicals that are being released in their brain yeah. Um, and there's nothing they could do about that. And but but there was there was that. So it felt like you as the audience are plunged through that sound design into that raw emotion. Yeah. And it's just a second yeah. and then it goes away and yeah. you go, Oh, suddenly we've gone from ultra naturalism and ultra realism to yeah. to using the medium that we're in. But
1: it's 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 one of the bits of the film that I always remember. Yeah. Uh, it, it it always really sticks with me that and it is it's a tiny moment. But but I mean and, and it following one of the most famous scenes probably from the film is actually the scene that not another teen movie parodies where they and loads of stuff has has aped and parodied this where they have this back and forth bender and vernon where he's just giving him more and more weeks detention you yeah. want another one yeah and and all the, you know but the, again the way the way that nelson plays it is is you he that he's that that bender is playing a part that he's yeah that there's there's just this hesitancy but he knows that it's, he's too far down this road of of who he's presented Bender to be um and that there's this slight resentment that he knows that Vernon can see that as well and it's just lovely
0: and 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 this whole fated feeling about mm. Bender where because of what we learn about his home life which comes a little bit later is he has a kind of monologue uh, where he, w- which we will come to but even without knowing that, there's this essence of I'm already screwed, right? Yeah. I'm already at the bottom of the. There's li- There's no way I've. Got, I mean, I've got a very slim chance of getting out of yeah. how screwed up my life is now. It's never gonna really gonna get that better. He believes that. Yeah. So he may as well play this character. Yeah. To make it easier getting through that, and there's a moment where you think he's gonna be like, okay, no, I, and give up, and yeah. you don't want him to because you're no. like, no, your life is already screwed, yeah. like do it like set the school on fire mate which is why i think i'm kind of more sympathetic to him yeah because
1: yeah so i think i've just had a little mini revelation here that i've not really joined the dots up with before but i think that maybe one of the big reasons why you and i are both saying we think especially in the early part of the film bender comes across particularly sympathetically is because take Take uh, Brian and Alison out of the equation for the minute because they don't do... Brian has his interjections. Mm -hmm. I mean, Alison doesn't talk for about the first 15, 20 minutes of the film. So the lion's share of getting to know Bender is either through Paul Gleason through Vernon, who is deliberately positioned to be more antagonistic anyway, or through Andrew and Claire, and because Andrew and Claire, you know immediately from the fact that they're the only two that are sat on the same table together, all the others are dotted around, spaced out, mm-hmm. and sort of how they're presenting themselves, you know immediately that they're the only two that are in the same circle, social yeah. circle. So he already feels ganged up on. Although he's the one that actually, unprovoked, is giving them a lot of crap, Yeah, you can feel that he's being ostracised purely by their presence there, sitting setting themselves up at the front, sitting, o- occupying one row of tables together. Yeah. Um, I think that's actually, they have the power that's in that an first thing. scene because they're together and they're the only two that that occupy the same social circle within and that school. So it's
0: historical power. It's this is strength you, in numbers. This is every day I'm ganged up on by you guys. I'm reminded yeah. of my otherness. And
1: I think that's, I think that's, driving force of 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 why he does have the sympathy in that early part of the film which again
0: is a really interesting um bit of you know bit of directing yeah um yeah that's really smart uh one little thing Mm. we have some kind of montages of what people do when they're bored and they're you know not (laughs) doing anything there's a moment where um actually wraps a piece of thread around her finger until it goes brute and i went why is she doing that wait i've done that yeah
1: yeah 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 why did i do that yeah
0: why has everyone done that at some yeah, point yeah i think so it's yeah. such a weird thing to do yeah to tie a piece of loose thread around your finger until it goes blue yeah but just wanted to put it out there
1: guys i've like i've that. i've definitely also played with the tassel on my hoodie the same way that Emilio estafes
0: is doing <laughs>
1: yeah i've definitely done that one as well yeah no all very very recognizable little tropes they have in that montage another um,
0: little uh quote just to back up your sense of his feeling ostracized is even when he's having a go at them it's kind of what you're saying and what you're saying he 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 says uh um he says i don't even speak your language and i yeah. thought what he means is like he means it to come across as mean but yeah. actually what he means is i can't communicate in your world which yeah. is again just back further kind of backs up your point yeah 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 um and a lot of uh um yeah uh vendors uh, language is like that yeah. it is meant to sound mean but actually it's the fact that all he can see is the difference. Yeah. And as we go through the other characters, yeah. they all first of all see their difference. Yeah. And they and eventually, as you say, see similarities later on. Well,
1: one of, the, one of the things I always love about this film is that other than at this very early point of the film where you do feel a sense of uh, allegiance between Claire and Andrew because they're the two popular ones, right and you've got the three outsiders but they're outsiders in different circles one's a nerd one's a goth one's a criminal kind of yeah. thing um so other than that at the beginning I, I i love that there really isn't for the most of the film a lot of maintained allegiance a lot of them will be will be agreeing with each other and then five minutes later they're calling each other out screaming at each yeah. other and then they're ganging up on someone and i was like that feels so real
0: were you been to parties as a teenager, things Just like that. never like, safe, ever. No. It's exhausting. Yeah. So you're like, oh, great, it's fine now. Yeah. I've got these guys are my friends. Yeah. That's good. Off oh, they are bullying someone else, which is awful, but I'm taking a break because it's not me <laughs> <once."> <laughs> And then suddenly it's you again. And the only way to get out of it is to end up getting... Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a yeah. night of that like, juggling of power. Yeah. Um, I think it is exhausting. Yeah. I think it is exhausting. I, I have to say, I don't know about you, but I would not swap being a teenager for love and the money. No? No, I found it exhausting. Yeah, I had a great time. Did you not find any of that? No. No. It's but it's
1: it's very different at private schools. As That's I think a good point. as I think I've said before, people were far too busy worrying about taking over their family's <laughs> yeah. finance business than bullying anyone. So this is different. I mean, yeah, there was, you know, obviously there's there's elements of that stuff. I school, I very
0: but... much remember being all of those five people at different points and uh, trying out different things, you know, whether it is uh, like Bender wearing different colored shoes, like, um, yeah, there, whether it's, whether it's trying out purposefully or just suddenly finding out that you go, Oh, am I, am I the nerd now? Because of the social, because of the, right. The massive who I'm around in this this lesson. Oh, but in the next lesson, I'm Bender because I'm the one who'll do naughty things or in the next class, I'm something else. And I, I think it is exhausting, and I think it is um, difficult. But again, the question that they're trying to answer for Gleason, the essay answer, is who do you think you are? Yeah. Said in a kind of who do you think you are? Yeah. Um. But existentially, is they're all well, we're all trying to find out, and yeah. I think fi- trying to find out who you are is exhausting. It, yeah. It's When you when you give up on that is when you start to realise. Yeah. <laughs> who you actually are. Yeah. Um it's When you when you stop worrying about it and get on with the things yeah. you enjoy. Um then we then we've got carl haven't we yeah so
1: so carl the the janitor who again we learned from the documentary it's never mentioned in the film but um the backstory is he was a student at the same school 10 years previously and so there's this dynamic it's, it's in with, the
0: uh, opening shot in the opening shot you, yeah if you look very closely you he's, can
1: I. yeah um he, he's on the kind of alumni board kind of thing um and it adds an interesting dynamic knowing that now, which is the first time I've watched yep. this film knowing that, it really adds something to the relationship between Carl and Vernon because knowing that Vernon was probably Carl's teacher 10 years ago yeah. and now he sees this other side of him, um, you know, it's really, really interesting.
0: It is interesting. And I think that um, there's, in this scene, this is before we have the the Vernon-Carl yeah. scene, uh but the first time you kind of really meet him is just him coming in with his radio doing it's you know getting on yeah. with his job um he says hi to brian and brian goes uh, like ignores him kind of almost ashamed to yeah. acknowledge that they probably talk he probably talks to carl yeah. any more than he does any of his yeah. friends um but um and they-, they kind of take the mick out of him and and uh he says oh, do you think i'm just a piece of trash that yeah. you can pee on like i'm I'm the person too kind of thing. And then, I mean, and then it's, it's, it's worth mentioning
1: switches. at drama school, you had a very good relationship with uh,
0: the custodial staff. <laughs> um Let's call them by their real name. Yeah. The Brain Trust. The Brain Trust. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It was a, uh, Michael from the uh, canteen. Yeah. He was one of the chefs. Yeah. Um, Frank, he's gone now, Michael. He got made redundant and... Yeah then had to stroke from it, I think. Oh, gosh. <laughs> not well. Oh, I, I got this because I was not know Julie through some other canteen stuff yeah. when I go back and teach. Um, Yeah, uh, and then uh, Frank. Frank was full of drama. Yeah. Full of drama. Yeah, loved them. Uh, yes. Yeah, so... Well, I'm a, I was a Brian. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and then Carl comes, comes and says, well, I actually, I know all about you kids. You think nothing of me, right? Yeah. But actually, I... I go through your lockers, I overhear your conversations, I'm the eyes and ears of this institution. And although I don't believe he does any of those things. Yeah. It's just reminding it's just a little bit of power that Carl has in that one situation. Yeah. And you definitely the kids definitely go, Oh, wait. Yeah. Yeah. Like whether he does or not. And
1: and I'd also love the fact, again, I think they touched on this in the documentary. You know, the, the language he uses is you think I'm a surf, I'm a peon. And he's uh, yeah. you you know, he's using uh, Language that's the, uh, that a stereotypical portrayal of a janitor probably wouldn't use, you know. Oh, um, that's peon
0: That's what I said. No, peon Yeah, I yeah. thought he said that you can pee-on. <laughs> I said, uh, you think <laughs> I'm a surf that you can pee-on? <laughs> like urinate on? That's what no, I heard. A
1: surf <laughs> uh, uh, that I'm a peon you know. Uh, it's an interesting uh, language that he's using. Um, and it's uh, really nice that John Hughes has gone... Just because I'm giving someone, you know, uh, a a job of a janitor, I'm not gonna lower their intelligence. They can absolutely be well read and have a great vocabulary and and yeah, uh, talk on a, you know, and, and and everyone, even the kids, everyone is intelligent in this film, which is is like you know, there's it's it's that Sorkin esque kind of style of writing where where all all the characters. Are are able to speak with a level of emotional intelligence. They can They're articulate really themselves. Refreshing.
0: Um, which, 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 to be honest, I mean, again, you could say, oh, that's not that realistic. But again, you I and disagree. I, you and I work with these yeah. young people, and I, yeah. I, I have to say, like, it's such a, a lie that young people are inarticulate at or, all. Yeah. Or I, I think, I th- I think it's the opposite. I think as you get older,
1: you, when because your priorities change, because you don't you're not working out your mental muscle Mm -hmm. enough because you're not just sitting around having conversations, you know, about your thoughts and feelings and philosophy and things like that in the way that you do when you are younger, because you're worrying about how you're going to pay the bills. And I actually think that muscle starts to, to, to go a little bit as you get older. I think absolutely 16 year olds sitting around unsupervised, um, in this beautiful library, by the way, which we talk about at some point, because it's just such a nice yeah. set uh, uh, that this film's on. You know that they're, they're absolutely going to have the conversations they have. You know, um, uh, I think that's yeah, totally real and totally truthful, and and brave of Hughes to do because people probably wouldn't think it was like you say. But
0: but he's well, I think that, that and also there has been criticism of it. You know, yeah. you, uh, uh, um, um, saying that you know not everyone talks like that and again yeah in sorkin's world if it was an aaron sorkin yeah. script you might be right but i think john hughes has is is more realistic in this sense and yeah. i uh even, even if it isn't and even if it is just for storytelling ability i certainly know in my experience and you agree that yeah. that I mean, young people are—they're work. Their yeah, their brains are working a lot faster than ours. Yeah, um, and uh, they're a lot more on top of things than most of the adults. Spe- yeah. especially the ones in positions of authority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the country. Um, so yeah, we're we're in this beautiful library. Um, which which is kind of very modern and it has horseshoe, but it's high. It reminds me of um, like. Uh, like the, the old prisons, old British <laughs> prisons, like, yeah, yeah. but in a kind of cathedral-like. You yeah, know. yeah, um, very much. And it feels like this house of knowledge and yeah. like a good school. Yeah. Um, and and that is lovely, but at the same time, because of the way it's shot and because of the fact that they're not allowed to move. Yeah. It's like the punishment is putting you in a place of learning and not allowing you to do any. Yeah. So they rebel by learning by having these discussions with each yeah. other. Yeah. Um, And yeah, like almost like a bottleneck scene. But it's at this point that John Hughes takes us out of the uh, library for the first time. Yeah. And uh, that's with Emilio Estevez, Andrew, um, who goes to uh, get uh, drinks for everyone, cokes, milk, um, and he takes Alice with him. Yeah. Um, And there's a nice little kind of moment where he's trying to get a conversation out of her. Yeah, at this point she's still not spoken at all and she kind of doesn't say anything and yeah says what's your what's your poison nothing okay sorry i asked and eventually she goes vodka yeah, <laughs> what yeah, a yeah, great yeah, first yeah. line to have yeah um and yeah she starts to talk and and then and then she kind of asks him about his life yeah and you know and and he has this line again first little shred of what's to come later and he says uh, i'm i'm not a winner because i want to be one yeah like I don't have a choice. Yeah. And then you start to go, oh yeah, that conversation that you had in the car. There's this weird pressure going on. There's a repeated.
1: There's there, there's a repeated trope within this film that I think all five of them do, more than once, which is. Uh, a t- uh quite high levels of disbelief at each other. Mm-hmm. Almost every single time someone opens up about what their parents are like something. They always call them out or don't believe them. And I think that's it's clearly deliberate because it does happen again and again. Um, and, and, I, and, I, and I don't think that's just you know a device to kind of tease the character development longer. I think it's it's totally about saying they're scared because it's really scary
0: to learn that you're not un- uh, unique you know, and special. It's... But I think there are, uh, there is a couple of things there, but I think you're absolutely right. There, there's the one reaction is if, if I, the, the only comfort I have is knowing that I'm a complete head case. Yeah. And I've got all these problems. And even when I shouldn't have them, I do have, and I'm going to amount to nothing and it's yeah. awful. And I'm just going to keep it quiet. Am I? And then when that gets taken away from you, you go, yeah. Oh, well, I haven't even got that now. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I get that, like, like lack of uniqueness yeah. and what makes you who you are. Yeah. And I think also, I certainly did this when I was young, and I I I, I still do it to a certain extent. Um, when I'm insecure about something. Mm. I'll use quite defining language, like "Oh, I'm always bad with numbers," or "Yeah, I, well, I'm clumsy. That's just what I'm like." Yeah. When you're a teenager, yeah. you and I hear kids do it all the time, uh, or or adults do it all the time, particularly insecure about things, constantly making definitions about who yeah. they are. Yeah, and so when that's shaken, yeah, that is really scary. Yeah. But I also think there's something else, which is when you find out someone else is going through something, there's an automatic empathy, especially mm. if children and teenagers don't have this beaten out of them yet. Yeah. Where when they hear that someone else is having a hard time, that's difficult to deal with. Yeah. So it's actually easier to push easier it away. To, to, yeah. Or to, to, or to, deny, to it yeah, by, deny it. Disbelief. Yeah, deny it, disbelieve. But And I think we see that massively yeah. when um, uh, Emilio Estevez and Bender have this kind of tete-a-tete.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Um. so yeah, when they return with the Cokes um, They get into conversation again And they're talking about their family life Uh, Bender does this (laughs) Very... Uh, theatrical yeah
0: he's an uh, actor Bender's absolutely he, should be I was, going yeah. to the drama yeah, club.
1: yeah. Uh, that's that's what I think he becomes you know in, in the world the fictional yeah. breakfast club world that happens after this film ends uh I absolutely believe Bender Bender goes into acting because yeah. he's really bent the character of Bender is really good at acting because he does this whole scene where he portrays uh Brian's parents here's and, my impression
0: of Brian's family. Yeah
1: um and it's obviously you know it's that the, he's making the assumption that because Brian is a good student he must have a really happy home life yeah um which is an interesting assumption to make i don't think it's one i ever assumed when i was at school of of the people that were kind of really high high achieving i don't i thought that's
0: yeah but i could see how people i think if you're think if you're job. having a very unhappy home life and you're not doing well at school Probably as a result, mm. you're just thinking I'm not good at school, and I have a horrible. That you're just thinking those correlations are there. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that person's thin and they're popular, therefore yeah. all thin people must be popular. That's not true either. Yeah, yeah, lying, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he believes it, doesn't he? Yeah, he definitely believes that Brian must have a home life because yeah. he's a, He says he's you're you're a parent's wet dream. Yeah, yeah. Um, um. So yeah, so so yeah, he he does all that, and then
1: again, Andrew coming in. Not exactly defending Brian, but just kind of saying oh go on then what's what's your family like yeah he's he's he plays this almost like a diplomat um, yeah within the 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 group dynamic Andrew is I think a lot of the time
0: and and I think that's also maybe encouraged slightly by um, uh, Brian is is a phenomenal performance from um Anthony Michael uh, Anthony Michael Hall um who uh, I I actually for me mm. I think his performance stole it for me Interesting. Uh, on this time round watching. Yeah. Um, he, he does so many different things. When you're talking about like an actor having six different emotions in one scene, yeah, because yeah, yeah. people do, yeah. he does. And yeah. when he's being ripped by, uh, by Bender, yeah. he's like quite sad at first. And then he's like, Oh wait, is this funny? Do I come out of this? Okay. Oh yeah. no, I yeah. don't know. And he, he changes yeah. with every line Like he is yeah. totally and utterly present. Absolutely. I, I would love to see this guy do some more, some some more stuff. I think yeah. it, it, a real instinctive actor, wonderful and hilarious with it. Yeah. So. Um. But yeah, sorry. So he's kind of giving that reaction, and Andrew comes in, uh, yeah. like a diplomat.
1: Yeah, say. yeah. Well, again, that this is, I think, it's a repeated thing. He's he's a diplomat. He's a defender. I mean, he he uh, specifically to Claire, a lot is is very protective. Yeah. O- over her.
0: He's um, got a sense of right and wrong. Yes. um, To a point. Yeah. um, And, and Brian has a, a real sense. But I think they all do, really. Yeah. I think they all have quite a good sense of right and wrong. But but uh, I think Andrew feels like it is almost his job. Like, yeah.
1: I d- I d- I d- yeah. I feel like he's really conscious of... um, And I think it's, it's probably because... <laughs> this is interesting. Again, I'm, I'm just... I don't thinking about this for the first time now he Andrew I would say is the only one of the five that is actually already thinking and processing about what he's done to get him there before the film actually starts because yeah. when he when he talks about what he did it sounds like he's already worked out why he did it because he says yeah. you know I did it because of my dad he, he that's he doesn't play it as a revelation he plays it as he's he's coming in. So 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 I think Andrew is very conscious of making sure that no one really ever has any status over anyone else. So so you know he doesn't stop Bender from having the 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 fun and the play around with this imaginary idea of what Brian's family's like. But he knows the minute he stops, he's gonna then pivot round to make sure he doesn't have power for too long to go, right? Tell us about your own family then. Yeah. It's like he's very Conscientious of keeping, uh, conscious of, of keeping people
0: on on the equal level. Yeah, he. Yeah, you're right. He's a he's a he's a balancer. Yeah. Um, balancing things out. And and again, I think that that's something that a lot of people don't mention him in the rest of his, as being the star of this film. Yeah. Because his performance is smaller, but actually, there's a lot of going. There's a lot yeah. going on there. It's subtler. It's subtler, yeah. and that's often much harder to do. Um. Yeah. And he. Yeah. He. He quizzes. Um. Uh, bender and says what's your home life like and bender immediately goes you want to know fine yeah and then does this quite heart-wrenching uh, like full dramatic impression of his dad who yeah. is violent abusive yeah horrible to his mother yeah um and uh and then as you say andrew says oh, i don't believe that yeah that's part and then, of your character yeah,
1: shows shows andrew the cigar burn on his arm this is um, what happens when you
0: spill, spill paint and in and the then
1: garage. just erupts um breaks part of the library and throws all the books on the floor and then yeah. climbs climbs really cool bit of like mi- climbing up. climbs up the staircase Um, and again it's just this lovely th- things you do when you're angry that are really weird yeah you know, be- because What's you're the fastest thinking- way to get yeah. away from where get, I am yeah even though uh, there you could have gone up the stairs no- gone upstairs <laughs> yeah. you're climbing up a staircase the yeah. wrong way like
0: Yeah, I I just love that whole scene. And again, he's not angry at Andrew. He's angry at his dad. Yeah, He's not angry at Gleason. He's angry at his dad. He's not even angry at himself. He's angry at his dad. Yeah. And the situation that he's in every day. Um, But nevertheless, this happens. Yeah. Um, He calms down and decides to take them all a trip to his locker. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh,
0: To the strains of Wang Chung.
1: Who are a great '80s band? I mean, I yeah. love Wang Chung.
0: Fire in the Twilight. Yeah,
1: Fire in the Twilight. Yeah, um, they also did Dance Hall Days, To Live and Die in L.A. Great band.
0: Apparently, it roughly translates as Yellow Bell in Chinese. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it um, it. What was I write? It. Oh. Oh yeah, it does. It Wang Chung. It, see, he sounds a bit like Bowie, doesn't he? The lead yes, singer? he does. Yeah, yeah. Um. So you can see this kind of. Influence, maybe, of Bowie. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say that Bowie was influenced by Wang Chung. I don't think.
1: Uh, <laughs> no, I think he was around a musicologist. Musicologists before. would
0: be very happy with, Wang Chung. Uh, with that. But there's there's this 80s, mo- real modern feeling yeah. to this, even though it's in 85. You can see that this is music starting to change. Yeah. And um, yeah, really, really cool. So they go and uh, they get high. Um, oh, I love Brian. I've just written it. I love yeah. Brian because he, he says, drugs? Yeah. <laughs> and then he goes to Alice yeah. and says, are you, do you approve of this? Can you approve of this? Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. great delivery yeah, of the it's line. Brilliant. Yeah,
1: yeah. They go and get, yeah, Bender's pot and they all go and, and uh, after initially none of them except Bender wanting to touch it. And they're all quite anti, anti-drugs. Um, which I guess is probably a lot, in, in the 80s, a lot more accurate now than it probably would be. A uh, little more accurate then
0: than it would be now, rather. Um, I think there were bigger fears around, yeah, that marijuana, yeah, and, and um, and the war on drugs. You know, yeah. was was burgeoning, um, wasn't it? And, and
1: and a big thing in 1985 for this film to show a
0: group of 16 year olds. Uh, getting high, like and, and, and a... not and not uh, you know turning psychotic and killing each other and then getting arrested. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Showing it in a fairly positive like they, yeah. they they all have a good experience. They all here. have a good experience. Yeah. Um. I mean, again, yeah. Anthony Michael Hall just absolutely hilarious. He's just brilliant. There was a great um line in the documentary. Yeah. Talking about the film running out in the can. Mm. Um. And uh, they would say because it was real film in those yeah. days, you could hear the clicking of the tape going round in the can yeah knowing that there, no, so knowing that anything you were doing wasn't being shot but none of them ever ca- held uh held cut uh, yeah. sh- sh- shouted cut when it was anthony michael hall because he would just keep going and they said it was funner to watch him <laughs> than it was to be cut even though none of it was going <laughs> in the can yeah. i just thought that was, uh, and particularly yeah. in that scene you can see oh, exactly yeah. what he's uh doing there. yeah um Really, really funny performance, but also funny but vulnerable. Again, they've all got this amazing vulnerability, yeah. Um, which means you can put yourself in the side of any one of them at that moment, um, and it kind of leads to this. Just they start to open up yeah. to each other, yeah. Um, and it sets a precedent for the rest of the film. They start to talk and they start to talk about their feelings and yeah. He, he, uh,
1: uh, Judd Nelson manages to Just soften His entire face yeah. I'm not quite sure how he does it But when it cuts to to them uh, Smoking weed up on, up, up on the top level of the library And he smiles And he smiled before this point in the film But it's been a sort of sarcastic sneer mm. And he just for the first time Looks genuinely happy And yeah. it's not just the smile It's his whole face and his eyes Everything's just softened And it st- starts to let you as, as the audience in more in, into who he is and, and again showing another side of him.
0: Because you're only seeing these characters in the context of either their homes or their school or yeah. their parents or the or the detention itself and I remember a teacher of mine I loved at school uh, called Bob Edie who was also a vicar um, a very philosophical kind of man mm. and he said I'm sure I've already kind of uh, um, Hamfish said he kind of quoted at the beginning that he was deputy head as well of the school and he said school is an incredibly unnatural environment to put human beings in let alone teenagers. Yeah. So like it's a very odd thing to do. Yeah. Just to confine everyone into these spaces give them rigorous structure which can be good but also the consequences of this are massive for the rest of your life. Yeah. So by the way whilst you're doing all this and you're developing and you're working out who you are and you're coping with often inadequate parents or flawed people Yeah. uh, and teachers who might have their own stuff going on also screw up now, the rest of your life is ruined. Yeah, and we're going to remind you of that every yeah. day. Like, well, what a ridiculous thing to do! Well, that's that's the crux of of
1: of, of Brian's story, isn't it? I mean, that's yeah. that's what yeah. we learn is, is that that's driven uh, his journey. Is is the this this uh, F that he's got in shop class? Yeah, um, the only F he's ever gotten. It's dragged his grade point average down from an A to a B. And that's what he's saying. Like that's that's
0: it. That's it. I'm done. I can't. Tra- it's, you know. I can't. Cause... I can't change it. Yeah. It's and it... he and he um uh, he talks about um the fact that he bought a gun. Yeah. Um and was seriously contemplating kind of suicide. And I'm and I'm there's a little conversation where they're like that's ridiculous. They almost say that's ridiculous. That disbelief. Yeah. And he's like no. And then he explains. And they go yeah. Like I guess if that's what you care about and yeah, that yeah, thing is yeah, taken yeah, yeah, away. Yeah. And there's a lovely moment where they find humour in that. Yeah. And again, it just reminds me, like, whenever someone's going through a hard time, there's always someone ready to go, oh, that's ridiculous, there are people starving in Africa. And that's true, yeah. and and context is great, and perspective's wonderful. But that's real to them at the time. Yeah. Wouldn't it be lovely if you did what these kids do, yeah. and say, that must be really, really tough. Let's yeah. talk about it. And that's what I see every day working with young people as yeah. well but yeah. they're often really non-judgmental. Yeah. Um and accepting. And as a result they end up laughing about the fact that it was a flare gun and that it went off yeah. and that it, it ruined his shop work, which is the reason he got it in the first place. Yeah. And he says that's not funny and then eventually Brian says yeah it's and they, <laughs> yeah. they all kind of giggle together. Um yeah, I think that was a real lovely lovely moment. It's
1: it's funny you, you I think some people that that uh Perhaps have, have 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 only watched this once or, or don't remember the film very well, may question us saying that they're not judgmental because on the face of it, it feels like they constantly are. But actually, if you think about when they're judging each other, largely they're judging each other for being judgmental. For being mean. They're yeah. they're call- it's it's actually about calling people out for the facades they're putting on. Yeah. Um, and they all want to find each other's truth, don't they? they all wanting to get yeah. to the truth of each other, the honesty of each other. And that that's a, a thing that comes up time and again. I'm ju- uh, And I really like it. And it's not acknowledged, but the fact that Bender says to... Uh, uh, when Bender's kind of having a go at Claire quite early on in the yeah. film, and Andrew says, you know, stop being an arsehole. And he says, I'm not, I'm just being honest. Yeah, And then Claire... When he, in the heartbreaking scene um, where Brian asks if they're all going to be friends on the Monday. And she's like, no, no, because we can't, because that's not how school works. And then, you know, she's, you know, um, uh, uh, Alison says to Claire, that's a horrible thing to say. and, 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 And Ben just shouts at her and she says, I'm not being mean, I'm just being honest. But it's, it's not complete. said as a deliberate callback. It just, no, just, I didn't pick just, up on it as a callback. No, it's not. But it's great because, again, it shows these people are not so different. They're, they're literally having the same yeah. thoughts that they're in, 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 in different ways, and different scenarios. But they're both being accused of being mean, returning that with being honest. And I think that's what the film is, is getting at.
0: And that, yeah, honesty and accepting that the world isn't fair. There's yeah. that scene uh, also where Bender's trying to get the truth out of Claire and not being, uh, you know, meaning the same the way he was in the first part of the film. But he's like, come on, you're just, uh, yeah, putting on a facade. Yeah. And she says, I, I have feelings just like everybody else. And it hurts to have them trampled all over. Yeah. And so she's voicing what everyone's feeling, including Bender. Yeah. Who, just because you can't see his bully, yeah, he's there all the time. The dad yeah. is there and Gleason's there. Yeah. And also everyone else does have a go and call him weird and have a, you know. Yeah. So that... that everyone feels like they're being attacked and they are yeah and yeah claire by the end of it says well that's kind of yeah that's the that's the truth of it yeah it's how we it's how we deal with it
1: yeah and you um, know and brian's you know uh, again ha- beautiful, uh, entering, uh, yeah. beautiful uh beautiful uh d- uh delivery this whole scene by anti michael hall and you know kind of says i just you know that's a terrible thing to do i'd never do that just to let you know i would do that and Mm. and you 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 feel what's about to happen. you feel what's coming because you we can all see what the reason of why that is yeah. but then of course claire comes out and says well yeah because your friends wouldn't be mad if you talk to us because they look up to us it's not it's not a two-way street it's yeah. not you know there's no equity it's so there it, it's yeah it, it, of course you wouldn't yeah you know and that's when he
0: says you're so conceited and then starts
1: crying and it's just <laughs> oh, oh, heartbreaking to watch
0: it's just uh, you you said something earlier as well that um i just I kind of we, we want to recycle is that so they realize they have more in common than they than they have yeah. uh, you know, what Was it they're united more by what they have in common yeah whether their difference and there's a line uh, i can't remember which one of them says it but uh i think it might be bender actually he says we're all a bit bizarre some of us are just better at hiding oh at it's, no it's, it's andrew andrew yeah, yeah. Uh, actually that makes sense again because yeah. it's that qu- kind of quiet wisdom he's yeah um wait yeah some of we're all bizarre some of us are just better at hiding Maybe. it than others yeah. And i just thought i wish everyone could just know that when yeah. they're 15 but yeah. of course you can't you've just got to go through it um but it's it's such a big lesson and i i think also where we have these monologues whether it be through, through andrew uh or through brian or through claire and, yeah. and everyone has their own little bits this is where you're reminded of that theatricality that stage play like uh feel yeah because the monologues are the bits that maybe wouldn't happen in real life quite the way they do or wouldn't be quite that beautifully written but it's it and it does it, but it doesn't take me out of the film i'm just thinking critically like that it's the moment where you have the energy boiling and boiling, boiling, boiling and boiling and boiling and boiling and then you pass that to the yeah. the actor who has the monologue and the actor gives the monologue and, and the, yeah. I think as an, a real stage ensemble they do that really beautifully. Yeah.
1: Um, um absolutely.
0: Um, I I also think for the 80s uh,
1: for the mid-80s for there to be a sustained conversation and exploration about the idea that just by the virtue of being a woman you are in a lose-lose situation talking about sex because either you, as she, as as Ali Sheedy says, if you say you haven't had sex, you're a prude. If you say you had, you're a slut. You can't, yeah. what you know. And I thought for, for 1985 to that be a film about teenage girls in a school that that, that are talking about this this uh, trap yeah. that they're in be- because of uh you know institutionalized sexism and and and, and misogyny in society. Um, uh, yeah, I think is is great, and again, good on Hughes for
0: for bringing her up, getting that, getting that out there, and giving them a bit of a voice in that as well. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you do you do have quite a lot of misogyny coming from uh Bender, yeah, in the, the language that he uses, but we also know that that comes from his father, and also he doesn't, he kind of talks a big talk, yeah, even when he he does kind of put his legs between the knees he relinquishes immediately when he gets bit and gets beaten up by yeah there's a it feels like he's not coming from a place of uh, uh what's the word entitlement yeah he's coming from a place of high testosterone and bad communication skills yeah. yeah not excusable at yeah at all by any means yeah but there it does seem like these guys generally seem to be kind of on on the good side of things but yeah. they're about to go into adulthood and it's only going to get worse yeah and and and, like... and
1: and 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 i do also feel that in that conversation although they're all attacking claire there's something about ringwold's portrayal and she does get get upset by it but it still feels like she's 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 holding her own she's it the film and Hughes hasn't made her a victim in yeah. that scene. And she feels like she is uh, on the level in terms of, of what she's saying and, and the power that she has in that scene as the character
0: um, um, feels fair. Um, I think you're right. The agency is with that character rather yeah. than the others, um, and it and it stays with her,
1: which I think is an important distinction to make because I think on the face of it, you could look at that part and say, has that dated badly? Is that is the scene itself misogynistic um, with this kind of constant badgering about her about her sex life? But I do think because and and she does relent but there's something about it that for me and i mean i'm i'm not the authority on it obviously <laughs> being a straight white man but you know for 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 me i i personally felt it was it was done well for yeah. for the, especially for the time and 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 through ringwald's
0: portrayal of it i think she had strength and she kept strength yeah but and i also think that it's stupid to do a film in 1985 about high school kids and not have them talk misogynistically and misinformed about sex A- because if you went yeah. to my primary school it my secondary school in it, you know 2002 yeah uh, you'd you'd find horrendous language yeah. around that um and 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 it's not just because those are people's views it's because that's what they hear and they reflect yeah. the, the society that they're surrounded by and they don't understand what's going on and I think that it would be wrong to to kind of whitewash that with with something more palatable yeah um so i think it's, it's nicely balanced um it, just that other line about um you you were saying earlier that kids have almost a more time and more brain power for philosophy and mm. for compassion and and you know talking about deep things and real things there's <laughs> a line that Ala, uh Al-Ghidi says uh, it's inevitable uh, out of nowhere and they'll go what what is and yeah. She says, "When you grow up, your heart dies." <laughs> like, yeah, very, yeah. very matter of factly. I just thought yeah. that's exactly what you're talking about, nailing yeah. it on the head. I think you know. Hopefully, it's not true. No. I like to think we, you know you and I still have some heart left in us. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's t- tougher. And I think well, I think that's probably what it. You know, that's what it looks
1: like, isn't it? That's what it it's looks it is, like yeah. at that age. Looking at. Priorities changing for adults looks at that time like their hearts died. Yeah, Uh, and I loved I love that way of of expressing it. Yeah,
0: Um, I uh, I also uh, uh, love a little um, uh, kind of trope in the film. Mm. Um, Jumping back and forth a little bit because we have um, just a turning point that allows all these conversations we're happening. Yeah, uh, allows the conversations we're talking about to happen, which is with the drugs and um bender goes on the run because he's put in solitary and then kind of gets out mm-hmm. um and uh i mean actually while we're talking about the, the solitary scene there's a lovely moment where where we have vernon have a real go at yeah. bender and physically threatens him and says once you're out of this school i'm gonna find you on the street and i'm gonna beat the shit out of you yeah and uh he throws a punch and and bender flinches yeah um, and
1: it, it's the f- it's brilliantly pro- i mean uh both gleason and, and and nelson are great in this scene but but particularly jug nelson but, but managing to make him look like a small child for yeah. the first and only time really in the film that you see oh crap this kid's a, a kid like yeah. what are you do yeah a yes he's kid? you know incredibly very independent we learn that as you say from the minute we see him being the only one that arrives by himself the way that he talks, the language he uses—you know—he's using recreational drugs. He's, re- you know, he- he's clearly advanced in his uh, life and experience for a sixteen-year-old. Uh, but at that moment, when he's with an actual adult, yeah. you suddenly remember again that he's just a teenager. Um, and and yeah totally ob- obviously on his side because a teacher's threatening to hit him. But you do also, at the same time, go- There's part of you i think that's what the documentary said you know you're definitely not meant to but there is a small part of you that that understands to an extent the frustration of gleason with you know this person that is essentially a full-grown man yeah physically but but
0: emotionally isn't he's it's the not. child right Yeah. um was, i can't remember i think it was alasheedy he said uh uh Gleason um, uh, Vernon uh, has is a man who has no power in his life apart from school, and now that's being threatened as yeah. well. And I thought, yeah, like it's that all you've got, and now that's being taken from you too. Um, uh, incidentally, uh, in the interview, um, Judd Nelson was saying that uh, uh, Gleason that was a real flinch because he yeah. didn't know Gleason was gonna fake the punch yeah um and said that apparently he did quite that quite a lot on set and um was was really playful <laughs> yeah in a in a both wonderful funny and and scary way yeah but it stops him being the caricature that he would be in ferris bueller or, yeah 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 or a, you know it it's what makes his character have those three dimensions and, yeah and definitely. you do you do care
1: no absolutely
0: um i also think there's this lovely moment where after that and and as we we're saying they they uh kind of Gleason comes out and is going to chase some drought yeah. down because they've been doing drugs and all that and uh and uh bender takes the hit he says yeah. you go back so and I'll yeah. distract him he takes him to yeah. the basketball court i th-
1: i think that's that's
0: b- one of maybe the
1: most important Thing that that character has to do in the film for us yeah. to, to to buy him is is sacrifice himself for the rest of them uh, yeah. because from that minute on you can have bender kind of say and do whatever he wants but you're not gonna lose our our sympathy with him at that point because
0: deep down we've seen he's honorable that he's honorable yeah yeah and uh, and and it starts a little trope as well that none of them want to be on their own. And, you know, Andrew's yeah. the last one to go off and have a smoke with them because he's like, oh, well, I'm not going to sit here on my own. Yeah. You, go, well, you, you could. Like, if I was a grown-up now, I'd be like, yeah, great. Oh, yeah. lovely, peace and quiet. But when you're a teenager, yeah. it's, a, like, the worst thing. Well, it's, it's that
1: brilliant bit where um, uh, Brian turns to Andrew and says, what are we doing? I don't know. Where are we going? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. What's in Bender's locket? If you I ask don't... me one more question, <laughs> I'm going to punch you. <laughs> I, I like, know but that, were that they're conversation. they're all going anyway. Yeah. It's,
0: yeah. But we just did that yeah like oh i've walked many miles for drugs when i was a teenager <laughs> and uh and, yeah and there was never a real plan it was never really thought out <laughs> you just did it um and yeah i i i just think that there are loads of really nice structural setups as to why some of these amazing conversations and monologues come out that um yeah. that don't just make great drama but make really really believable and realistic Film not without its stylized, you know. We've got the glass smashing, the yeah. you know the filter on some of the sound. Yeah, we've got a dance montage that reminds me of Footloose. Oh, it's brilliant! Um, yeah. Wonderful eighties moments, but it still has that absolute root in uh, essentially a gritty mammoth esque drama. And yeah, I, I think that's why I love it so much. Absolutely. Um, uh,
1: some, something I want to touch on towards the end of the film there is uh the makeover sequence. Yeah, which I think has proved to be quite divisive over time, and as as sort of uh, the world's progressed in in terms of, and I, I mean, again, talk about influence. I mean, I mean, it's obviously the influence of Pygmalion on <laughs> yeah on the Breakfast Club in this in this, but but also a lot of films, uh, you know, doing very similar makeup sequence uh definitely influenced by it's the britney
0: well. meffy thing in clueless and the you know yeah um, she's all shape of things and, yeah by, shape of know, things swapped, yeah
1: baby but gender wise but yeah um and and you know that the, 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 there's a big discussion on the documentary about is is allison a sellout for uh you know kind of ditching her look to go uh uh, and and get made over and and I was kind of li- li- listening to them thinking yeah well mate I, I don't know if, if they got a point is it is it is it sending the wrong message that you know that she should be conventionally uh, a, look look conventionally more what like magazines would have you believe a 16 year old girl should look like and all this kind of stuff and but then Judd Nelson came on. <laughs> And when absolutely not he said she's not selling out. What she's doing is letting Claire do something for her, which is what Claire needed. Yeah. And I was like, Oh god, no, that's it. That's exactly it. That's perfect. It's 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 not yeah. really anything to do with the makeover. Um and, and actually you know, and actually she's quite honest about that. And she says, you know, when when Molly Ringwald uh, when when Claire's making her over and says, Oh, so much about with that black crap of rice because I like that black crap, and and yeah. you get the imp- you get I mean for me I get the impression Monday morning she'll be, she'll at be that back school, to normal back 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 to yeah. normal and 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 although I although the minute Amelia Astafez looks up and is, there's this change and and suddenly obviously they that and they're kind of hooking up at the end of the film they have planted that seed earlier on before and yeah. there's actually. Those two characters have grown since they go and get the coke together. From she the... only
0: spoke for him, right? Yeah.
1: Um, um. And there's like a really lovely bit where where um someone says I, th- I think it's Bender or no I think it's Claire saying and what about what about you Andrew What's your issue? And she says he can't think for himself because she's <laughs> yeah she did listen to him have that conversation where he's talking about being a racist and it really well <laughs> and as yeah and 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 I, so I so I don't I think necessarily you're right. think.
0: Again, I don't want to just because the I love first the film time I don't want to feel I, yeah. like I'm defending it. The all first the time, time I but... saw it, I thought it was a setup. Yeah, and uh, this time I felt absolutely it was it was her gift to Claire. Mm. But I think also it's important to acknowledge that they all give gifts to each other. Yes, and that's how the film ends. Right, yeah. they all give something to each other. Yeah. Um, Brian's gift is that he writes the letter. Yeah. On behalf of them all. Yeah. Um. Uh. Claire gives a gift to um. Uh, gives her earring to yeah. um Bender. Um Alice's gift is that she lets Claire do her makeover on yeah. her. Um and I think that they they all kind of give each other this this something to go away with. And that's what changes the characters ultimately. Yeah. It is the discussions, it is what's gone through, it is the eight hours of detention. Yeah. And what they've shared. But it's also that they've all done something that's not entirely selfish. And I think this is very interesting. Is that we you know, talking about how amazing teenagers are, I also think teenagers are more self absorbed. Yeah. And not necessarily in a good way. And I'm not saying it's to damn teenagers either. I just think it's a fact. Yeah. That you tend to be more aware of what you're feeling right now, which is really intense, and yeah. you only know your story, right? Yeah. That's why it's disappointing to find that someone else has the same problems as you. Yeah. Um and I think they become less self absorbed. Yeah. Which actually means that it's not a teen movie. It's a coming of age movie over eight hours, but over one and a half hours. Yeah. But I yeah. think actually it's they all grow up a little bit by the end of the movie. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. And not in the way that the school or the establishment think that they should, yeah. but the way that they as humans need to. And that's what yeah. we all need, right? We all need the space and the time and the ability to chat and share and grow. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying all teachers go out and give everyone a Saturday detention now. <laughs> no. <laughs> but no. there are other ways. But
1: and I, and, I and think it's powerful. And it's funny because I, I think it leaves you with a sense certainly for me a sense that i i don't believe that bender and claire are going to be together forever i don't believe that you know um, and 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 allison are going to be together forever but i do believe that this day has had a fundamental impact on the people that they're going to grow up to be separately even even if they do go back to school monday and it in Things start to slot into place within themselves, they have been changed by each other, yeah. E- even if they don't remain friends yeah. for the rest of their lives or even for into the next week, but it's been such an important thing that the five of them have gone through, I think. Um, and and uh, and yeah, and also to touch again, uh, the the scene in the closet where Claire goes in and finds Bender and, and she, kisses, and his she kisses
0: his neck and he says why did you do that yeah and she says cuz i knew you wouldn't which again just reminds you of who had the power in that whole yeah exchange and all the and way also along. and also it's an
1: interesting line for her to say because she what what is she saying there because she, because she certainly knows that from a physical point he would, because she found his wallet with all the pictures of yeah. all his various girlfriends and all that kind of he thing. He, he, he She knows that, yeah, she, she, she get that vibe. And, and I think for me, what I think she's saying is I knew you wouldn't because you know, you've given uh, me and the rest of the four of us more of yourself than you like to do. So you're, you're, you know, you're, you're not going to make, now. you're too vulnerable now.
0: Yeah. And also I think, she realizes that he's got such a low self esteem. Yeah, and but again, you've got Molly Ringwald's long, lingering looks at him. Yeah, all the way through the film. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The, again, again, something that
1: I, I think, if I remember, the first time I saw this film, I, I think, if if I remember, I felt it, it was quite quick in terms of the two couples pairing off. Because it de- physically doesn't happen until the very end of the film. But the more times you watch it, knowing that those two couples are going to form at the end of the film, they do plant that seed yeah. the, the whole way through. They're um, they definitely you know, really having terrible.
0: those whispers from John Hughes going, oh, by the way, also, just another thing. Yeah. This is going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's wonderful, subtle subtext. Um, which takes us to the end of the movie, essentially, which is um, a good because we've taken up quite a bit of time on this. Yeah. But um, you you have, again, they all part ways and they, yeah. they have their moments. And, and I thought, oh, are you going to have another chat with the parents? I thought, no, you don't need to. Don't need you need to, don't no. need any of no. that.
1: No, you, it's those kids' story, yeah. and that's what they. In fact, you don't heard. even see the parents in the cars, particularly. Uh, very briefly, no. Andrew's dad, I think, but the rest of them you don't really. Since it's, it's, yeah, it's not about that anymore. Um, and I
0: think that that's almost through the eyes of the kids that their parents have faded for a bit. Yeah, which is a welcome rest yeah. and break for them. And
1: and and Claire gives Bender her earring mm-hmm. because there's there's a conversation about the earrings earlier on, and uh, um, yeah, uh, and and he looks at it puts it in his own ear and then you start to hear the letter brian reading out the letter um whereas we've said it explains you wanted us to tell you who you are but the fact is you've already made up your minds as to who we are you think we're you know the brain the jock yeah. all the rest of things that are well, actually all five of us are all of these things um and then of course you have the completely iconic end image which is uh bender walking along the football field you have simple minds come back in which is a lovely musical bookend yeah and of course you've got the punch in the air uh, and the freeze frame, which, which again, edged endlessly parodied and an eighth but because it is such an iconic final moment,
0: this is your eighth time watching the yeah. film, and you were in perfect tandem. Oh, with, I've got, I can't, know, I can't not do it.
1: Even even if I'm not watching the film, when I when I hear that song, when it gets to that bit of the do, song, gotta, yeah. I've got to put the hand
0: up and do do the freeze frame, like Bender. But it is, and you because you also know that this is about a moment of joy, and yeah. you now realize why he chose simple minds don't forget about me at the beginning without that lyric getting in there yeah. and being cut off into silence before it gets there because at the end he gets to say the eternal words, yeah you know, don't forget about me which is yeah, actually yeah, yeah. all we want really yeah isn't it it's just just say that i mattered just say you remembered me you don't actually have to be friends with brian afterwards yeah. just don't forget this moment just don't forget this day and
1: and and i think it's it's testament to the film and uh, how unforgettable the film is that you know the the actor playing Carl was talking about uh, the fact that he uh, has kids coming up to him now saying you know I uh, I played Carl in a in school because yeah. high schools in America are doing production stage productions in high the schools of The Breakfast Club, um, which means it still resonates. You know yeah. these characters are still around today. You can still spot them uh in the 15 16 year olds that are around at school now the the technology has sure. changed their frame of references have changed but those those people are still are still there and still having those conversations and and yeah it's it's just it's it's so lovely to revisit something uh from so long ago that 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 just ah, still holds up so much i yeah. mean it, it's it does it's an amazing film
0: it's a, it's a genuine genuine classic um and, yeah, rightfully cements John Hughes as, uh, you know, one of the 20th century's great storytellers. And I Absolutely. think that's a, that sounds yeah. like a big thing to say for someone who, you know, has done a lot of commercial films. But, yeah, it, it's, it's fantastic. Um, And I will be watching it again and again and again.
1: It's, it's yeah, it's, it's it's one of those films whenever it comes on, I've got, or, or you know, whenever I get the urge, I've got to, got to see it because you do, you notice it's so nuanced. It's so full of detail. It's because it is driven by character. It's driven by character and it's driven by conversation. It's it's not driven by, by plot or narrative. And, and that means there is a treasure trove of things to find every time you watch it, I think.
0: If you have any thoughts on some of the uh, things we've discussed, please let us know. We know we, know we love hearing from you. Um, if you want to tweet us, what 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 were you? you the brain, nerd, the yeah. jock. Um, you can always give us a tweet and uh, hashtag Breakfast Club. Um, and any requests, yeah, um, yeah, Absolutely. we'd love to love to hear what you think.
1: Absolutely, yep. Yeah. You can always uh, get in touch with us at the usual places, which is on Twitter at Macabre Podcaster. You can get in touch with us uh, via email, at gmail.com you can, of course, uh, get in touch with on Facebook, fb.me forward slash podcaster macabre, uh, where you can uh, write on our community wall. You can send us direct messages, all that kind of thing. Um, and, of course, do like, share, subscribe, and listen on Spotify, iTunes, Google
0: Play, or wherever
1: you get your
0: podcasts from. As per usual, we'll have the Jonathan Creek podcast returning on Monday. Absolutely,
1: yeah, and we will be back here uh, looking at the uh, films of uh, I believe they're called Justin Benson and Aaron Morehouse the, oh, uh, more head, the uh, kind of cosmic horror uh, directors. Um, have something seen I sp- know nothing about. I've seen Spring and Spring is, is a f- beautiful phenomenal, weird, wonderful film Uh, but there are two others in their trilogy, so... Uh, uh, enjoy that eight-hour podcast that we're going to be doing about. I mean, three films. We're going to have to do an edit on <laughs> me. In, um, the yeah. in the meantime, in the meantime, yes, uh, I have been David Chapple
0: and I have been Callum Hughes, and this has been Any Requests.